Hi, I'm Wima Labikuni, and today is Tuesday, November 23rd. It's a beautiful sunny day here today. I had my uh, COVID booster on Sunday, and so today I'm feeling back to normal, feel really good. Uh, Sunday was okay, but I think yesterday I was pretty lethargic and uh, droopy, but it feels wonderful to be back to, I guess it's normal, be back to normal today. So I wanted to, before we sit together, I wanted to read a little bit more from the book Wisdom is Bliss by Robert Thurman. And uh, I haven't dived into this in any kind of order yet, so I just saw a section, a section near the the earlier part of the book, chapter three, is called Realistic Motivation, and there's a section called Theravada Buddhism and Absolute Happiness. And Robert Thurman practices in the uh, Tibetan tradition, so I thought it'd be interesting to read this short section. It's just a few pages. Theravada Buddhism and Absolute Happiness Theravada Buddhism, the most basic branch of Buddhism that has been around for thousands of years, which I call individual vehicle, never the standard lesser vehicle. In the Tibetan Buddhism, uh, I remember it was uh, Hinayana, and it was referred to as the lesser vehicle. So he's, he's not doing that. He calls it the individual vehicle is still relevant and highly valuable today because it leads you to seek a state that is different from what you know. It doesn't matter how you imagine it when you seek it. You can accurate, you can inaccurately imagine nirvana, or we, and we say in Theravada Buddhism, nibbana. You can inaccurately imagine nirvana as separate from the world. It still motivates you to find absolute happiness. Absolute happiness and absolute suffering may seem like different things, but they are connected inasmuch as the motivation to be free from absolute suffering is what leads you to find absolute happiness. This is why dualistic Buddhism is the base or foundation of non-dualistic Buddhism. The ordinary person cannot imagine a state of complete freedom in bliss while remaining aware of interrelationships and being connected. Such non-dual reality is rarely possible for a beginner. For example, when I heard the third noble truth, that this presence of reality I first assumed was outside of the relational web was actually within and all around me. My hair stood on end. As a samsara versus nirvana dualist, I still wanted to be free of myself, only happy if elsewhere. The fundamental predicament of self and other is that when self and other are seen as intrinsically really different, the encounters between them are are married to 
so much painful contact with so many sharp edges, and they are highly problematic. According to Buddhism, during countless lifetimes, we have been killed, eaten, and tortured by other beings, and we have reacted to others by developing internal sicknesses. Understandably, this leads to a deep, instinctual fear of encounter with an other. The second noble truth, the cause of pain, is the delusion about the absoluteness of the separateness of self. That is, the delusion regarding the intrinsic objectivity of the self. This becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When one is under this delusion, contact with others does tend to become a bit stressful. If we can make our own body into something separate in our minds, then everything else is suffering. So at the beginning of my practice, I was trying to get away from the whole thing. Maybe that's what a lot of us have done, right? We, When we first discovered Buddhism, we thought it would take us into a, a whole, <laughs> get us away from the whole samsara, right? What I didn't realize then and had never heard of was that the negative result of that kind of mistaken view is found in the teachings as attaining the cessation of sensation and conception at the wrong time. I had never heard of this and didn't know what it was about, but from my present vantage, I can now understand the great kindness of Geshe-la, my teacher, and his incredible skill, because I think I had a kind of dualistic experience of the nirvana threshold states, which are called the four formless or immaterial trances. Some translators use the word absorptions, which makes me think of bounty paper towel ads. <laughs> so there's humor even where he's talking about the jhana states and the deep absorb the deep states of meditative absorption. Anyway, I was so into the development toward this realistic motivation, full liberation. I felt I just had to become a bhikkhu, or a bhikshu in the in the Sanskrit, or Buddhist mendicant monk. I wanted to have no other concern in life, to prince in principle, than learning, meditating, and realizing the nature of reality, which is a complete liberation from suffering. One of the problems was that, again, my teacher Geshe-la refused to make me a monk. He said it was fine for me to live like one, as I was doing, and focus as much as I could on the positive development purpose. But in the long run, it would not be my lot to remain a monk. You have to stay for life in the Tibetan tradition, or it is a shameful embarrassment. You can't be a monk for a while and then quit. He acknowledged that I was sincere and had no such intention of quitting and, tru and truly wanted to be a permanent monk. He just knew from his experience, his knowledge of my past life's momentum, perhaps that I would not be able to remain a monk. I had a different destiny. 
Regardless, I disobeyed my teacher and bugged him about being a monk. I wanted more meditation and a more formal way of being a monk. He admired my resolve, but insisted I be more practical and listen to his advice. I could not do that. I was too stubborn and insistent on my view and my plan. Though I kept learning a lot, we were at this impasse. Later I found out that there are some circumstances wherein one has to stay a layperson and develop the other engaging, self-giving virtues, as well as the self-improvement ones. The very key is to create a new form of super-education, to create a big change in our society and radiate it out from America throughout the world not through military regime change and so forth, but through art, the art of happiness, of joy, the art of mindfulness, yoga, and meditation. In this magnificent enterprise, India, its civilization, and complete culture, as restored by the Tibetans bringing back India's own long-lost Buddhism, is our key ally, along with all the indigenous, Earth-centric cultures of the planet. I thought that was an interesting section. That's a different viewpoint. And that I also love that it stresses how important it is, how important the relationship is for lay people, how important they are. It is... Uh, this this is a sentence. Later I found out that there are some circumstances wherein one has to stay a layperson and develop the other engaging, self-giving virtues as well as the self-improvement ones. And he really sees America, uh, this society, being able to radiate this out into the world. So very, it's going to be a very interesting book to read. So hopefully I'll have some time in the next few days to just sit and read. Um, yes, I'll show you the book again, Susan. It, the book is called Wisdom is Bliss by Robert Thurman. And it was a gift to me from my dear friend Allison Lewis. And she, she we, we both laugh at the subtitle. So the, Robert Thurman is a scholar and a... Uh, has written a lot and is a, uh, a lot of his work is scholarly and research. And so this book has a great subtitle. Wisdom is Bliss is the book title. The subtitle is Four Friendly Fun Facts That Can Change Your Life. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and, um, it's very, it's, the reading is not difficult, but it's very already just in the first section. I feel like he's, uh, he's opening up some different ideas and very creative thoughts. So, and I think even if we practice as Theravadan, if our practice is Theravadan, it certainly doesn't do us any harm to, uh, 
understand and know more about other other schools of Buddhist thought. Just enriches our world. So, four fun, four friendly fun facts that can change your life. <laughs> so that's good. And it's published by Hay House. So, why don't we sit? Um, Thanksgiving is coming up, so it's always a good time to remember kindness and compassion, along with gratitude. And uh, we can extend compassion where there's gratitude for everything that we have and everything we benefit from. Um, we also can can be filled with uh, compassion at the same time. Compassion for those who don't have even the basic necessities for life. Compassion for those suffering from um, maybe have all the material things they could ever want, but they're suffering from uh, their mental health is not is not uh, beautiful. Yeah, and Steve put the put the uh, contact for the book too, so. Hopefully, hopefully you can get that. So we we know that we have so much more than any other uh, countries, perhaps in the world, and yet uh, we lot most of us understand the concept of suffering. It may not be because we starve and miss a lot of meals, but it certainly can be the suffering that we create for ourselves. So share compassion. And uh, uh, right along with gratitude. So, why don't we sit together? And then if you can keep sitting longer, we just have about 12, 13 minutes to sit together. But if you have more time, just stay with it. Just uh, in book group last night, we were talking about the importance of really dealing with our difficult emotions and uh, people were asking and others suggesting ways that they found that helped them deal with strong emotions. And, uh, you know, what we come back to a lot is to work with our breath. So we, we can't just say, oh, I'm Buddhist, I'm a happy person, I'm, I'm not going to have difficult emotions. I just won't be angry. That's not realistic. Because we are human beings, and these are these are uh, human emotions. The emotions themselves are not uh, defilements. It's how we work with them and what we do. If we just unleash them on the world, or if we have developed ways to work with our own defilements. But uh, what kept coming up with anger was how people, di- people, different people use the breath as the way to work with strong emotions like anger, to give them either just being aware of their breath or being able to scream somewhere where nobody can hear you or uh, using doing physical exercise. And all of those things have us focused on our breath, don't they? And the, the attention goes away from our uh, whatever is causing that feeling to arise, 
it so it gives us a little distance from the feeling. So if we can have a distance, we can become an observer of it and work with it more safely. So much of it's about breathing. So let's breathe together. <laughs> so let your body feel awake and attentive. So let your spine feel lifted up and straight. It's okay if you're on the floor or if you're walking or if you're if you're in bed, you can meditate in bed. You just want to you you want your spine to feel uh, straight and lifted. And so we can do that in bed. But if you're sitting, just allow your spine to lift up and let your shoulders roll back. That just increases the lung capacity. Let your lungs open and breathe more easily, naturally. And just let yourself breathing in and out through your nostrils. Hands resting in your lap. They can be palms up or palms down on your upper legs. Feel your connection with the earth. It's connecting us to that earth element within us. And then remember that we stay very lightly with the breath as we begin. And as we continue, we may get dis- we will get distracted. But when we realize our mind is distracted, our mind as a sense, one of the sense doors is going going out and uh, creating stories. The mind's taking us off to daydream somewhere or getting caught up in some of our favorite stories that we hash out in our mind all the time. So when we recognize that distraction, that's wonderful. That's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to be doing. But then we come back to our breath just to come back to the center And now just be aware that thoughts arise. And little by little, we learn to just let them come and let them go. Just like the breath. It would be very unpleasant if we breathed in a nice, beautiful breath. And then we didn't exhale. If we just held on to that one breath. It wouldn't really be possible, but it would be very painful trying to do it. So we know everything rises, stays around for a little bit, and then falls away. 
the breath, our thoughts, the impermanence of our lives. So no matter how many times you become distracted, maybe by an unpleasant noise or by a really beautiful noise that distracts you, either way you're distracted. Whenever we notice that our mind has become distracted or the sensation in our body has distracted us, we just come back to the breath. This may be the the most practice you can do for this day, just this few minutes together. So every breath is beautiful. Every breath when we are staying in the present moment can really stay with us for the rest of the day. If you're doing walking meditation, just let yourself be aware of the physical movements of your feet.
feel anchored by that motion of your feet moving through the air and coming down, touching the earth. It's very helpful to let a smile play on your face. Not an exaggerated smile, but try to lift. Let your face lift up into a smile. So our time is up. Thank you so much for sharing my practice. And uh, I hope you have a beautiful holiday. And if you're a teacher or a healthcare worker or anybody working with others, uh, I hope you're not burned out. I hope, I hope you feel appreciated 
uh, in the work you do and in everything you do to help others. So uh, may everyone here and all beings be well, content and happy, and be living in peace. And may everything we do and say and think today be done for the benefit of all other beings, as well as for ourselves. Thank you. I may not see you on Thanksgiving Day, on Thursday. I will be uh, driving with my kids to uh, Wisconsin, to uh, Lake Geneva area, to have our our annual thanks. Well, we haven't had it for two years, I don't think. Our uh, back to normal, uh, small family gathering. So I'll see you on Friday. Have a wonderful holiday. If you just if you if you're someone who just likes to have a quiet day, uh, where you can just relax at home. I understand that sentiment as well. Just be with yourself. Um, enjoy your solitude. And if you're with others, enjoy being with others. Thank you. <laughs>